This is Liam Hendricks and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Byroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and as you can tell by looking out the window, it is time for spring training. Yes, that's right. All this snow garbage to have no use for it absolutely done with it christmas is over don't care about snow it is time for baseball of course the chicago white Sox and the chicago cubs have both reported to arizona where they are getting ready for cactus league baseball in spring training foster great to see you thank you for having you awesome to have you live as always I am super thrilled about baseball being back. I've been tweeting. I've been getting back into the swing of things with Southside Showdown and the Windy City with, you know, all the Chicago White Sox and Chicago Cubs stuff. And now Crosstown Crosstalk is back to actually talking about things that are actually having to do with baseball. No more offseason stuff. I don't want to hear about the White Sox not doing anything. I don't want to hear about the Cubs signing a bunch of has-beens. I am thinking about actual baseball now, and there's not anybody I'd rather be doing it with on this show today than one of the very first people I've ever interviewed with on the internet. I went on his show, Sean and Maya, in the morning as part of Sports Zone Chicago. Of course, I'm talking about Sean Sierra. Sean, how are you? Vinny, what's up, buddy? How we doing? Very, very good. How about yourself? Man, I am wonderful. Thank you for asking. Is it hard to look out the window and be like, yes, spring training? Oh, uh, is that a trick question? Hell no, it's not hard. Oh my God, I'm happy as a pig in slop. You know, the uh, there's a lot of expectations for us from the, on the south side. Um, north side, I think they're doing a lot of good things. I hate to admit it, but they're doing a, re- a lot of really good things. Uh, and man, I'm telling you, the fact that there's no snow out here, it's been raining more than anything. Hey, I'll take it. it I got, what, 35, 40 degrees. It was 50 the last couple of days. In February in Chicago, shoot, I'll take it any day of the week, twice on Sunday. Absolutely. And as I look outside my window right now and see an absolute blizzard, I can't help but, you know, just only care about baseball right now. And we're seeing stuff all over the Internet right now with our White Sox. Obviously, you are a Chicago White Sox guy, first and foremost. One of the first people we ever talked about when I came on Sean and Maya in the morning for the first time all those years ago was Yoan Mankata. He was, you know, in the early stages of what we were hoping to be a rather promising career for him. So 2019 rolls by. He receives a couple MVP votes. He comes in 21st place for the American League Most Valuable Player. Not that impressive, but still, it's a great for first, first full year in a White Sox uniform. 2020 rolls around. He's playing through COVID, this and that. 2021, people... Will always underrate Yoan Moncada's 2021 season. He was a four-war player. Was he a super-duper star like we were expecting with the number one overall prospect? No. But a four-war player, pretty good. 2002, he was injured to start. Now he's saying he rushed back from that injury last year. That's more. Are we more mad at him or more mad at the White Sox? What do you make of Yoan Moncada and expectations for him in the 2023 season? You know, Yoyo's my guy. He's my favorite guy on the team. Um, and I've been very critical of, of him on my, t- on my show. Um, but that's because I think this guy is, is one of the most talented players, not on the White Sox, but in Major League Baseball, right? There are three guys on this White Sox team, actually four guys who really should be, con- if they played to their potential, would be in consideration for the MVP every single freaking year. T.A., Lou Bob, Lewis Robert, for those who are brain dead, Eloy, and Yo-Yo, okay? Those guys should literally be stealing votes from each other 
okay, because they're all in, in MVP talk conversation. I think Yo-Yo and, and Lou Bob are probably the most talented and physically gifted of that four, uh, and they're in the top of baseball. And, you know, my, my and as much as I love Yo-Yo, um, you know, this is a big year for him, okay? He's got to decide who he wants to be. You know, the one thing that I have an issue with, with him, and you, you can – I have a guy who's really close with him, hangs out with him all the time. All right. And he, in, in my, I told him, I said, look, I was like, my thing is, I don't see him with the desire to be the best baseball player in the world. All right. I'm like, cause there's certain things that you'll see, right? Yeah. You, there's a difference between training to get in shape for the season and train to say, Hey, listen, I'm going to show everyone I'm the best in baseball. And I need him to get to that point. And it's not about talk. It's not about excitement and all that other stuff. You you'll see he'll, he'll go, he'll go deep in at bats, right? He'll refuse to strike out. He'll, he'll lay down a bunt if necessary. He'll use his, his, his skills that he has. Cause you ain't going to be fast forever. All right. When you, when you're the best there, there, there's a way you train There's a mentality. I wish, I hope he can get there. I hope, or at least put, you know what, at least by the end of the season, we say, wow, I think next year Yo-Yo has a real good shot of being the MVP. So that's what I hope. Um, you know, there's there's so much with, with Yoan that I, I really um, get frustrated about. But, again, that's because of his massive potential. Huge year for him. And if, if he decides, in my opinion, if he decides to be a uh, uh, an average uh, hitter batting for average and go gap to gap, I think that would personally, that the, I think that's the best for him. You know, don't worry about the home runs. They'll come. You'll walk into a few. You're just that strong. But he's got to he's got to make a decision, man. He's got to make a decision. Do I want to be the best baseball player in in the league, or do I just am I happy that I got my my contract? You know, an early contract. I'm loaded. I'm paid, and I can I can chill now. Because me personally, man, now's not the time to chill. You worked your ass off coming from Cuba. You know, defecting, getting all that. Dude, how crazy was that? And now you want to chill when you can be one of the greatest players. In baseball today, yeah, it's 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 it's. I, I I still hold him to a higher standard than other people. Him and Lou Bob, because I believe they are the most talented guys on the team. I agree with you. He did say today. Someone asked him, "Do you have something to prove this year?" Unlike Yohan Moncada, who's been kind of on the quiet side for all these years in terms of how he talks and whatnot, he said honestly, "Yes." But let's wait to see once the games start and how things go. But honestly, yes. You're damn right he does. I'm glad. I'm glad he said it. I'm glad he, he's got it out there. So it's on It's on film. It's on tape. It's in print uh, because he's damn right. He does. And believe me, no one's going to be more critical of him, but no one's going to be happier for this son of a gun if he comes out and he starts spraying the ball all over the God-blessed park, taking a few out over the fence. And that's what I need. That's what we need as, as Sox fans. If Yo-Yo hits, my goodness, this team is is, is different. You know, and I told you, my favorite, there are two people that I love watch running the bases in, in Major League Baseball. One's Mike Trout, and the other one's Joan Moncada. First to third, second to home, those two guys are it. I want to see him, I, I want to see him have fun. I want to see him see him be extremely successful. And I want to see him get taken to another to the next level of where, where a lot of people are talking about him, and not about his video, which I like, actually, a lot of out of uh, eye candy in there, but because of holy cow, look at you, Omokala. It took him X amount of years to get to this point, but man, he's here now. He sure is. And another person that we need to see bounce back just as much as Yohan Mankata, if not more, because we've seen it, he's seen him be better longer. Lucas Giolito. He was an outstanding pitcher in 2019, 2020, and 2021. He started 2021 off a little rough, but he bounced back and was a, he came in 11th for Cy Young that year as well. Last year, not so good. It, you know, he changed his mechanics a little bit. He bulked up. That actually ended up being something that hurt him in the long run. Now he's thinned down a little bit. Some videos are on Twitter today of him throwing. He looks a little bit thinner than he was last year, a lot less body mass, it looks like. Where are you at on Lucas Giolito? Lucas is a head case, man. It's bothersome for me. You know, um, ever since they traded James McCann, he's never been the same. All right? And he's he's he seems like – it bothers me because he doesn't have the makeup of the moxie of the attitude of a of an ace. All right. When things don't go his way, he pouts. You can see it on a field. Field. His field is his body language is everything. That's everything. All right. When he doesn't get a call, he'll stare down an ump. Or but more not in a man, not in a way that older pitchers or old school pitchers would, but in a way like he's mad at him. Like, I don't like you, or like he's hurt. And it bothers me because Watching, watching Lucas, 
he's got some of the nastiest stuff in this rotation, okay, uh, in baseball when he's on. But got to get him on. And I think his, 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 his mentals is where he needs to work on. All right, he's really got to focus on if, if a pitch doesn't go his way, don't worry about it. You're gonna get a you're gonna get a few calls. Pound the strike zone. I think he's got a he's got a, a big uh, axe to grind with the, with baseball as well because he's got a lot to prove. People are looking at him. Uh, Sox fans are looking at him. You know, I'm not one who believes in him, and I know a lot of other Sox fans don't believe in him. And he's got a lot to prove, and not just to us, but to himself because there was a situation. Uh, you know, when he was with McCann, oh my God, he was damn near untouchable. Damn near untouchable. Got a couple of Cy Young votes, right? Get, he's got to get back to that, but it's got to be here with him. And I think it's here with, with most guys, with him, with Yo-Yo, with Lubob. It's there. And he's got to develop, and hopefully Pedro Griffol can, can get him there. And if he can, holy jeez, him and, and Dylan and Dylan Cease, not even Dylan, Dylan Cease and Michael Kulpec, man, that's a nice little one, two, three, not to mention – the the fat bad the big bastard as he calls himself Lance Lynn that's a nice one two three four little combo right there so uh, he, I think Giolito's got to I hope he's done some soul searching I hope he's he's really focused mentally and this goes to show you how important the mental part of sports is it's not always it's the physical part and physical you know to borrow a phrase from Yogi Berra it's ninety percent mental the other half is physical you know so he's got to work on that, that mental part and hopefully he did. Yeah, and he went on MLB Network a couple weeks ago, and he sounded like he was ready to go. He, he said all the things that you want to hear him say. I do believe that when he's on, he has the best changeup in Major League Baseball. There's not Disgusting. a changeup in the league that can touch it. Obviously, working the fastball and the breaking junk to go along with it is what made him so effective. And someone we saw be equally as effective, you touched on it, Dylan Cease. He was magnificent last year, and he kind of didn't necessarily get the accolades that I believe he deserved. He wasn't an all-star. He wasn't voted to the first team All-MLB last year. He did come in second for the American League Cy Young. That, I think, is was well-deserved. Obviously, it, it was hard to argue against Verlander for winning yeah. it in the comeback year, especially in the MLB. We know they love themselves some Verlander, so he won it overseas. But Cease is going to be right back in it, we all think. Do you think Dylan Cease can do it again? Um, Can he? Yeah. But again, it's it's for me. It's the mental part, you know. Being a former player and a, a former uh, coach, you know, and, uh, well, current coach actually, I still coach football. It's all about the mental, you know. It's the men- it's the mentality you have. Does he have the hangover, right? Does he say, "Wow, I got to I got to second place in the Cy Young voting last year," and does he slip, right? Does the fact that you know that a lot of his good games are on tape now, so people, you know, this is Major League Baseball. They're gonna they're gonna critique everything. They're gonna know what your what your uh, your tendencies are in an 0-2 pitch or a 1-2 pitch or, you know, a 2-2 and pitch with runners on second and third. You know what I mean? They're going to have all that data, and they're going to be waiting for it. How ready are you going to be? How fired up? How how locked in are you going to be? If he can stay locked in, my goodness, and have another year. Because first year is a flash in the pan. Two years, now you're starting to build a habit. Three years, oh, shit, now you're pretty damn good. It's just like, remember when, when Tim Anderson hit, won the batting title the first year, his first time? Like, okay, that was great, Tim. I'll do it again. Next year, he didn't win a batting title. He came in second. Like, oh, okay, okay, Timmy. And then the next year, he didn't win it again. But guess what? He was in, in, in top five. So you're like, okay, now you're starting to see a pattern. Now Dylan Cease needs to build on what he did last year, okay, and develop a pattern, develop develop something something consistent for us to say, okay, he might not be, he might not win the Cy Young. We know damn well every fifth day. This Joker's good. We got a great shot to win with this kind of bump. 100%. And do you believe Tim Anderson? Last year, he still hit over 300, but uh, I don't know where you stand on batting average. I think it's one of many stats you use to evaluate a guy. I don't look at a guy and go, oh, you hit over 300, you're great. Or I don't look at a guy who hits 240 and go, you stink. I think there are lots of things that go into it. But if you're Tim Anderson consistently putting together uh, batting totals like that, you got, you know, you're clearly seeing a really, really good hitter. Last year, you only played in 79 games, though. There are some people kind of pulling back their Tim Anderson love. Where are you on that? Uh, well, he only, since he only played, you know, half the games, you know, it's par for the course, th- over 300. That's what he's been doing. That's very consistent. All right, stay consistent with me. All right, like you talked about, you hit two, if a guy hits 240, okay. But but also, if it's 240, there's other things you got to look at. All right, when you, what are you hitting and when are you hitting him? All right, because if, if this guy's a big bomber or this guy hits key hits, gets key doubles, key homers, Okay, key hits with with, with uh, runners in scoring position, dude. Give me that dude all day long. All right, I don't, I don't care about the average. Tim Anderson, he gets on base. He's the he's the stir the drinks that that he's the the straw that stirs the drink. I right? get him on base, have him steal. Okay, um, 
my love for Tim Anderson and it, it is not has not uh, waned. All right, so I think he's you know, as long as he plays a full season and can continue to put put up a 300 average, get on base. Um, I think he's going to do fine. He's going to set the table for a lot of these guys, and I think a lot of these guys have a lot to prove. And I think Tim Anderson, the thing I think the thing that he needs to improve on is the stuff that we've been saying for the last couple of seasons: the routine ground ball. You know, the routine ground. Don't ask him to make anything spectacular because then his, his athleticism takes over and he does phenomenal in the field. Give him the routine ground ball. Don't I don't need any airs. I don't need any air ball. Any air mail throws the first. Get that down, and you'll be you'll be considered a a perennial you'll be a perennial all-star because if you keep hitting over 300 and your uh your feeling percentage goes up man people are going to notice people are going to notice so I'm, I'm i'm not down on tim at all i still want him to focus right I, I told you it's all about the mental for me with the white Sox, and you know what baseball is so mental because of the fact it's 162 games all right and they started last they started last night or yesterday with pitchers and catchers the 20th when is that what's that four days right four days the, the position players our, our schedule report. So I'm already there, but nonetheless. So basically from March 20th until the end of the season, you're at baseball. It's a grind. So how, how mentally strong Tim, Yo-Yo, Lubab, Eloy, Kopech, uh, Giolito sees how mentally strong they are, it's going to tell you, that's going to tell you exactly how far this White Sox team is going to go. Absolutely. And so I don't know where you stand on advanced stats and all that kind of stuff, but it does sound to me you'd rather have a guy see – you can be 300, but if you have three singles out of every 10 at-bats, or you could have a guy who has two doubles out of every 10 at-bats, one guy is giving you a better chance to score runs, but he gets one less hit every 10 at-bats. One guy's batting 200, one guy's batting 300. Who would you rather have? I'm taking the guy who consistently hits doubles and home runs more than the guys that just keep pumping out singles. Jose Abreu's batting average last year was outstanding, but he, the whole team as a whole couldn't find a way to hit the ball out of the ballpark anymore. And we saw that their offense was terrible as a result. So are you kind of in that same boat with me? Yeah. So I'm definitely not an advanced stats guy. I'm an old school guy. And, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I, I live in that. I'm not, I have too much other stuff that I, I don't get to look at the, uh, study the advanced stats, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I like, the, I, have, I like looking at guys and giving them the eye test. All right. When he, what are you hitting and when are you hitting them? All right. Like we talked about, if your batting average is lower, but you come through, you know, you sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, all right, give me getting a give me the batting average then, because your average could be 240, 260, but if in the end of the game, you know, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, your batting average is 280, 290, 300, well, that's a whole different story. You follow me? So um, I need guys to show up when it's necessary. All right, not just you know, stats are great if you want to use them, but they can be manipulated any way you want. All right, you get a hundred home runs. A year, but if it's all when you're getting blown out or you're blowing a team out or there's nobody on base, what you know, how effective were you? Right? You weren't very effective at all. So um yeah, give give me a guy who's consistent and a guy when they come up that people have to the defense has to say, Oh, be be very careful because this guy is is a clutch hitter. That makes sense. Joe Mandel in the chat says Jake Berger DH second base rotation. Uh, Romy Gonzalez is supposed to be the guy at second base. Are are you a burger playing second base kind of guy? No, I'm sure his no, lineup no. or bat in the lineup. No, don't don't put him in second. There's too much lateral movement for a guy his size who's coming off of two Achilles. Um, uh, I, I just I don't think he's quick enough. All right, you got to go to your left. You got to go to your right. You know, if you said third base, okay, fine. But I mean, I know that's yo-yo spot. Um, but. No, not at second. I don't think second base. There's just too much, too much movement that needs to needs to go on for Jake uh, at second base. From what you've seen with this White Sox team, can you talk about what you think Liam Hendricks means to the team in terms of his pitching? Of course, we all know he's one of the best closers going in the game right now. But just the positive vibes that that guy brings to the organization. He's intense, man. He's intense, and we don't have anyone else like that on the team. Yo-Yo's not that way. Lou Bob's not that way. Eloy's just kind of goofy, like a big kid. Ta's kind of kind of intense, I guess. If you know, um, but there's really nobody else that I see who has that fire, that emotion, that passion. And you know, I, it, he his his energy that Liam has. Man, you you know, whoever decided to, to have his intro music and the lights start flashing, or you turn the lights down and they go flashing. That's great because that's him. You know what I mean? That's him. He comes in energy. And you swear every every time he closes out a game, it was game seven of the World Series. 
you know, that's the type of energy that you have to bring in. Um, and it's tough for 162 games, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy, but God bless it. You get paid a lot of money. And that's the mental part of the game that I've been talking about is, you know, I think he is so uh, insp- inspiring to his teammates because he is so fired up. He is passionate. He is all about winning, 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 winning. And, and he'll do whatever he has to. Okay. If he means if he's got to go four outs, no problem. Right. Or, or he's got to face the heart of the order. No problem. He does it. He loves it. And, and that's what, it, that's what his teammates need to take from that. Embrace the, the tough situations. Cause that dude, there's nothing tougher than being a reliever. I mean, being the, the closer, you know what I mean? There's nothing. You got three outs and why does it always seem with us? It's always a three, four and five hitter. that he got a face. All right. It could be seven, eight, nine, all right. Six, seven, eight, nine. It's three, four and five. All right. And more often than not, he comes through, he delivers and, you know, gives us a, a few hard palpitations, uh, uh, you know, hard skips a beat a couple of times and palpations, but man, he gets it done, like I said, more often than not. And I think the team needs to look at that and say, hey, this dude is really giving every, gives, gives it everything he has every time he's out. I think we should be able, we should be able to do the same. We've talked about production. We've talked about leadership. We've talked about um, consistency. Very few people in the history of the organization embodied that more than Jose Abreu. Now you got Andrew Vaughn, who was a third overall pick out of coming out of Cal. He was the best power hitter in the country. I, I always, I still think Adley Rushman was the best pure hitter in the country, and that's why he was the number one pick to Baltimore at the time. But you know, Andrew Vaughn is outstanding power hitter in his own right. Led the White Sox in home runs last year. Moves over to first base now. He's finally, after all these years, playing his natural position. What do you think? excited for him you know the only thing that i'm concerned about is is how much pressure he puts on himself because he's taken over jose abreu's spot i'll probably bat right where jose did which is th- was three for the longest time in his career you know for the majority of his career jose was three uh that's probably where he's going to be so there's a lot of shoes to fill um but but the thing that he's got to understand is that he's not jose abreu all right he doesn't have to be jose abreu he needs he doesn't have to be a, a different jose abreu 2.0 he needs to be andrew vaughn 1.0 all right he needs to be himself continue to do what he's done to continue to do what got him to the show. And and if he does that, you know, we're not going to see much of a drop off with that. I think his power numbers are great. Are, are, uh, they speak for themselves. They're outstanding. Uh, and he's a guy as we go on further and further, you know, when you, when you know your role, and I talk about this all the time, especially from my being a coach, when you know your role and they ask you to do that and that only you're a lot more comfortable. Okay, there's not a lot of things that can fluster you. You know, you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. But him having his role, you're a first baseman. You're going to be there four and a half to five days, five, maybe six days out of the week. You're going to be in first base. Okay. It gives a sense of ease. So now he can just focus on hitting. Now, even when he's hitting, he doesn't have to worry about, am I going to get, am I going to get my head at bats today? Am I going to, no. It's a, it's a level of comfort. And I'm excited to see what he can do as a full-time first first baseman. It doesn't mean I'm not going to miss Jose Abreu because I am, all right? But you know the old saying, father time is undefeated. And not even saying that Jose was on the downside of his career. Because, you know, last year he didn't hit – he had a bad year. But it's just time and tide wait for no man. And you got guys who are pushing him and and, and Vaughn pushed him. And the, the organization said, hey, let's give this guy a shot. Jose gave us – you know, uh, damn near ten years, uh, the nine nine solid seasons. It's time for time for a change. We don't really know how old he was when he first got there. He could have been thirty five. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, of course. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking forward to Andrew Vaughn, man. It's this young blood, um, young blood who's really got a chance to, who, who's going to really have a chance to put a stamp, his own personal stamp on first base. Absolutely, and in the offseason, the White bigger, Sox a much bigger first base. This yes, year. much bigger first base this year. He's going to be able to have a little more wiggle room where he puts his foot. Um, obviously, the White Sox have been taking a lot of heat for what has gone on with them this offseason. Their one offseason pitching acquisition is dealing with fire off the field. Um, the one, the outfielder that they signed, Andrew Benintendi, Benny Butt Cheeks, Benny Biceps, whatever you want to call him, He's been a great player in his major league career. He's made big-time catches in big-time games, okay? He's had a game-winning saving catch, you know, with the Boston Red Sox. He's done it with the – he did it with the Yankees last year. Obviously, they didn't reach the ultimate goal of beating the Houston Astros, but he's had some really good major league careers. Not much of a power guy in the last couple years. He only had five home runs last year, but the rest of his offensive numbers are very, very good. I think they will be a welcomed addition to the White Sox lineup. What are you expecting from Mr. Andrew Benintendi? 
um, how soon, how fast he can get adjusted to Sox Park or U.S. Cellular Field? That's still what they're calling it now. Uh, U.S. Comiscular Field. Oh, U.S. U.S. Comiscular Field. Okay. Uh, as soon as he gets, as soon as he gets comfortable with there, and you know what, he he could be a power hitter. But me personally, I think we have enough guys to to drive the ball out of the ballpark. All right, I give me a give me a gap to gap guy. All right, and you do that for another quarter to merry-go-round and watch these fast guys run. Okay, um, you know I wanted I told you I just talked about Yo-Yo how much I love seeing him run. I love I don't want to see Eloy run, so he got to go to the gap so Eloy can trot. But Lou Bob, man, I love to see Lou Bob run those bases. Tim Anderson, I love to see TA run those bases. All right, put just just get figure out what kind of guy you're going to be. Okay, and stick to it. And you know he he, he brings a level of professionalism. Right, playing for those two teams, those two teams really have they have a different moxie about them. They have a different aura about them. Like they're like they're they are the epitome of the major leagues. For me, sometimes it, it's from the, this organization doesn't seem like a major league organization at times, and it, it trickles down to the players. Okay, you know when you go to New York, you know you got to shave your, your any facial hair. It's a business over there, right? And they don't put up with bullshit in New York, and the, the, not just not just the ownership, but the fans. Boston, the same thing. He's going to bring a level of professionalism here. It doesn't mean he can't have fun, but it means you got to get your work done first. And I think that's that's a good example of a person that they should that these guys should really be looking up to. And 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 if they do and realize, let's take care of business first. Because if we take care of business first, we will have a lot of fun. Couldn't agree more. And we touched on Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, a couple other guys get mentioned, but the rest of the pitching staff as a whole. And I'm talking starters and bullpen. You got Michael Kopech. Okay, you got Lance Lynn. We'll see what happens with Clev. Obviously, in the bullpen, Reynaldo Lopez. Gary Crochet is going to be back around May, according to Rick Hahn yesterday. Joe Kelly's still there. We're going to probably have to watch Jake Diekman a little bit, Jose Ruiz. What do you make of the entire pitching staff as they enter this need for a bounce-back season from a lot of people? Kendall Graveman as well, very good pitcher himself. Yeah, it, this is a big year for everybody, man. I mean, you notice it, everyone you've talked about, you've talked about, you know, can they have a good year, a bounce-back season? And I think the the rotation, I should say, the pitching staff itself, same thing. You know, you're gonna have you're gonna have to be better. You're gonna have to come in high leverage situations. Joe Kelly, you know, was very very um, erratic last year. Not what we expected from Joe Kelly. All right. So there's you know Ray Lopez had a decent year. He's gonna have to build on that. You know, I think Ray Ray was one of my favorite pitchers coming out of the pen. He had a lot of confidence. You know, and I think the you know the, the fact of knowing he's not going six or seven. You know he's he's able to empty empty it all out. You know in the two innings, maybe two plus that he'll go. So I think that was good for him. But yeah, they all got they all got to step up. They all have to. You know it, this is it's a shame when you hear certain people. And I'm not gonna say that other team's name right now. Uh, just talk and say, hey, your window closed before it even opened. And as much as I want to punch him in the face, I can't lie. I really can't lie. I, I mean, I can't I can't deny what they're saying because it is frustrating. We should be in. We should be going deep in the playoffs. We should have been there, in the, first of all, in the playoffs last year, but also deep in the playoffs last year, and we weren't because of a, a, a multitude of things. And now after this, listen, are we going to have to blow this up after this year if we don't make the playoffs? If we're uh, bounced in the first round, I don't know. So this is, you know, I'm uh, this pitching staff. The, the pitching staff's got to do well. The the bullpen's got to do well, right? And if they do. And then the hitting, we got to get timely hitting. And if all that can come to play, man, it's going to be a, it'll be a fun season. But all those things, we got to wait and see if they can. Pedro Grafal going to be coming in, trying to replace Tony LaRusso on what was going on with him last year. I do think some managerial issues were part of the problem last year. Again, Agreed. not all Tony's fault. You know, it wasn't Tony's fault. Moncada was injured and couldn't hit, uh, you know, whatever the old saying is, Giolito, bad year, Lynn hurt to start. None of that was Tony LaRusso's fault, but there were a lot of things that were, and there were some in-game strategies that were just absolutely banana lands. Didn't agree with a lot of the bullpen management. What does Pedro Grafal need to do to kind of reel this team back in? He's got to show everyone who's in charge. You know, I think the inmates ran the asylum the last two seasons. You know, I think Tony, uh, Tony was more like a grandfather. You know, grandfathers tend to, you know, spoil their, ki- their grandkids and they don't really hold a lot, a lot of discipline like they would their own kids. You know, it's it's the perks of being a grandfather. And I think that the kids got the, the this White Sox team got away with too much. 
right? They weren't held accountable. You know, you weren't running to first base. You weren't you weren't hitting the cutoff man. You weren't you know going deep in counts. There's a lot of bad baseball that was played, and I think that you know Tony should have held them accountable more, saying, "Hey, listen, guess what? You played like shit the last couple of games. Why don't you have a seat next to me and think about it? I need you know. I told you, you know, we wanted you to go deep in counts. We wanted you to, to work this pitcher. We wanted you to." Um, you know, go the opposite way. We needed it. We needed a ground ball to the right side of the field, and he didn't do it. All right. There's, there's nothing like a count. There's nothing like sitting on the bench or getting pulled in a game that'll make you reevaluate what you're doing and and help you help an athlete get in line. Um, so I think he's got to hold these guys responsible. He sounds good, like he's going to hold these guys responsible, uh, accountable, I should say, and I hope he does. Because um, if he does, he'll ha- he'll have this team, and and again. Make sure you they know what to expect. If you're going to be a hard ass, then be a hard ass. But be a hard ass from day one to the end of the season, and they know because that's the, that's the one thing that athletes they will they'll push you. They're you know they're like kids. They will test you. They'll push the limits. And if you stand your ground and you hold and you treat everyone fairly, you know what? Guess what? You'll get the best out of your team, and the best out of this White Sox team with all the talent that they have is pretty damn good. I agree. And a lot of them reported early to spring training. You got the World Baseball Classic coming up. Mm-hmm. Do you see that as a good thing for some people? Or is there some people going that you're like, I wish they weren't? Like, Moncada's been hurt, struggled, start to years sometimes. Well, he's going to be representing Cuba at the you know, World Baseball Classic. Tim Anderson, after missing the second half of last year, Lance Lynn, all these guys who had injury troubles last year are playing in the World Baseball Classic. I kind of see it as a good thing. They'll show up to the White Sox fully locked and loaded, ready to go. Hopefully it doesn't linger any injuries or anything like that. But I think it's going to be a good thing. I'm curious on your thoughts on that. Funny. Great minds must think alike, Vinny, obviously, because I think it's good, too, because you're going to be on 10. All right? You're going to be on 10, and you're jumping in, not spring training. You're jumping into – you know, my country against your country and national pride is huge, right? Especially in the Hispanic community, Dominicans want to beat the Puerto Ricans, want to beat the Cubans, who want to beat the Venezuelans, who want to beat the Americans, you know, so I, I'm, I'm excited for it. I really am. And I think the fact, the fact that these guys are playing, for, many of them are playing for their country, TA, Yo-Yo, Lou Bob, I think it's great because they're, they're going to get amped up. So when you come back here, you know what, there should be a level of, uh, of, of performance that they don't deviate from, right? Because you got you got to raise your level here when you're in a World Baseball Classic because of the national pride and the the pressure, the national pressure that you'll have from your home country. And I think, and then I think you're coming in, you know, on ten. I think you come in and in, in into spring training, kind of use it as a springboard to kind of get it get a get a, off to a fast start because it's it's White Sox. There's teams you got to beat in the Central, and. Uh, you know, you got to be Cleveland. We still got to get Cle- past Cleveland. You know, Minnesota's not going anywhere. So, you know, Kansas City, who knows? They they love to beat the hell out of us when they don't deserve it and they shouldn't. But so there's a lot. There's a lot. We uh, A good, fast start is what we need to come off. And we start off with the with Houston, right? the Houston Trash Trolls. You know, I hate those dudes. But um, I think it, it'll give them a good shot to come off, uh, off the baseball, World Baseball Classic and into the city. I mean, into the season kind of uh, – Raring to go on uh, all, all cylinders are firing. And you touched on that right at the perfect time, how I was going to end the White Sox portion of the interview. The rest of the AL Central, the Guardians, they came out of nowhere last year. They were the youngest team in Major League Baseball. They're one of two teams last year to have a top five farm system and also make the playoffs. They were in third place at the All-Star break. Everyone was like, wow, this stretch is going to be a sick battle between the Twins and the White Sox. They put a picture of Buxton with Tim Anderson at the All-Star game and their little popcorn machine because it was movie-themed or whatever. The Guardians came out of nowhere. Where do you stand on the White Sox with the rest of the division as they enter this season? Probably in a three-team race, a lot of people would assume. Yeah, well, you know what? It's not that, that uh, Cleveland was better than anybody. They 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 gave effort. They gave effort. All right. They gave effort. They took it. They, they battled. Um, I mean, how many stars do you, can you name on their team? Can most people name on their team? You know, just a couple, you know, um, uh, uh, the third baseman, uh, Jose Ramirez, Ramirez. I was thinking, man, but Jose Ramirez, like that's that you got a couple other guys, but you know, the, they, they play the right way. They play hard. They move runners over, right. They don't shoot themselves in the foot. Right? You don't have to have the best team to win, as evidenced by Cleveland. White Sox, I think, have the best team in the division. Right? But, you know, the old saying, when 
you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And that's what the White Sox are. Talent is not working hard. They're not focused. Um, it, it comes down to, are they ready? And I think that's why the World Baseball Class is going to be really, really uh, valuable to this White Sox team. I wish, th- I, it, I don't like that they're not going to be there, but I like the fact that since they're not there, they're going to be in some very intense baseball battles to start the season. And hopefully that just carries over. So if they do, okay, come in on 10. Imagine imagine Lou Bob starting off the season on 10. Imagine Yo-Yo starting on 10. Imagine Eloy starting on 10. Imagine Tim, all right? These are guys you're like, whoa, 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 okay. Imagine all these guys firing at once. Or hell, imagine two of the four that I just mentioned firing on all cylinders. And then when they cool down, the other two take over. You know what I mean? And not to mention everybody else. We didn't mention, I mean, we didn't talk much about Andrew Vaughn, you know, stuff like that. So we didn't mention Yaz. All these because Yaz has another, he's another one who needs a bounce back season. Because Lord have mercy, he was on the back of a mill carton last year. Actually, no, he was on the field not doing anything. That's why we were so pissed with him. <laughs> it would have been better on the back of a mill carton, to be honest with you. But yeah, I I, I think it's gonna be good, man. I think um I'm looking forward to seeing how they how the teams do in you know Cuba, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, US, and then when they come back, how what's their attitude? How is their their moxie, how's their mindset going into the season? Absolutely. Uh, the Cubs, we hate talking about them, me and you, but we're going to do it. <laughs> what were your thoughts on their offseason? Dude, I hate what they did, dude. They, they built, they're building that culture into a championship uh, culture, right? They have a lot of young guys over there, and you brought in three World Series champions, a couple gold, you know, gold glove winners. Talking about guys who've been with organizations who know how, who've been there and know how to go about their business on a daily basis. And you got a whole bunch of young, talented guys over there. Uh, they're still talking, working with Hap and uh, uh, Horner and things like that. Um, you get those guys in and you put those three, not just one, not just two, but three guys in there who've been to the mountaintop, who've hoisted the trophy, man, they're, they're, they're going to be managers extended from uh, Grandpa Rossi. Cause I, and I think Grandpa Rossi is a really good manager. I think he's a really, really, really good manager. And to have those guys um, – come from those organizations, you know, with that World Series trophy in their back pocket, you know, talking to these younger guys, showing them, you know, how to go about your business as a professional. Man, I think I think they – they – I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if they ended up having a better record than the White Sox if the White Sox don't get, don't get their act together because you've seen how they fought for they, – they fought for, for Rossi every game. Very, very rarely were they blown out. All right, they lost five to four, five to three, two to one, three to two. Okay, they're fighting, they're in there, and they just didn't have the talent. Now you're bringing in talent, and if they can keep that same mentality, man, this Cub team they they did a really really good job of bringing in people um, who exemplify the culture that they want because these guys have been part of that culture elsewhere, and now, yeah, it's it's a very very good going to be a really really good clubhouse for these youngsters, young Cub players, and I know Cub fans are going to be pretty happy with it. I think it's so funny. That's twice in a row that you took my next bullet point and said it. Uh, my next question was, will they have a better record than the White Sox? And so it sounds like you're leaning that it's a possibility. Oh, it's a strong possibility, man. Strong possibility. If you don't, if, they, if our White Sox don't get their act together, I mean, look, you know, as a former coach, one of my, my colleagues, JJ, JJ Wright said this to me, one of his coaches, so I don't want to take the credit for it. Uh, one of his coaches told him, if you take care of all the little things, there are no big things. And you think about it, yeah, hitting the cutoff man. How such a simple thing. You, most people are not Bo Jackson can throw flat footed from the from the warning track, you know, on a dime to home plate. All right, hit the cutoff man. Do your job. Button the ball or hit, getting the ball to the right side. You're a professional hitter. Get your ass. Make sure you got a proper stance, proper swing, proper hand placement. Get the ball to the right side. All these little things that add up to everything. All right, Cleveland did it. The Cubs did it a lot. They just didn't have the talent. Okay, if the White Sox, imagine. Dude, can you imagine the White Sox running the first base except Eloy, uh, like like Jose Ramirez? Okay, you imagine imagine them hitting the cutoff man. Gavin Sheets hitting the cutoff man every time. All right, all these things that 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 are just fundamental baseball that you learn in in, in literally that they're not doing because they think we're we're millionaires and we don't have to do it. No, there's a there's a, a way the game's been played, and you see the teams that win the majority of the time, except for Houston when they cheated. All right, they play the game the right way. Right, they don't, they don't swing at the first pitch all the time. They'll go deep in counts. They'll hit the cutoff man. They'll they'll take the extra base. These small little things 
that you that many people overlook end up being the difference between winning and losing. And when you add four to six, eight of them, not even that many, four games. That's a four-game swing. If you lose four games, okay, as opposed to winning, that's a four-game swing. So if you lost the division by three games, guess what? You would have won it by a game because you didn't do the little things. And that's what Pedro Buffal has to do. And the Cubs are doing it. The Cubs started it last year. They just didn't have the talent. They did it. They started it last year. Now they got to have more talent. Yeah, the White Sox better get their act together. They need to get the, get their act together ASAP. Where do you have the Cubs in the NL Central and the NL Wild Card? I know a lot of people kind of see the six teams that make the playoffs <laughs> in the NL. Obviously, the Dodgers and the Padres, they're both coming out of the West in a lot of people's opinion. And then there's three teams in the NL East that believe that, you know, they'll have a chance at the postseason. Obviously, the Mets spend the most money. They have the best roster, probably. The Braves are kind of like the Guardians. They just have the best pedigree of any team in the National League, and they work their balls off on top of the fact that they have all this talent. And then, of course, the Philadelphia Phillies are the reigning National League champions. That kind of leaves the NL Central. Is it going to be the Cardinals who are that sixth team again? Or can the Cubs sneak in there and win the division? Can they dethrone any of those other wildcard teams? that I just named? Like, where are you at on the Cubs and their potential to make the playoffs? I know it's very, very, very early, and we haven't even seen it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Way too early prediction. Um, The one thing that I think that because Rossi has come from great organizations, all right, playing with the the Red Sox in particular, you know, and I know I don't think he's so caught up in catching the Cardinals, all right, or beating the Cardinals. I think he's caught up in being the best in the division. So whoever's fa- whoever they face, all right, that's who you face. It's not all oh, the big rivalry anymore. All oh, Cubs cards, all right. Let I think he wants to leave that for the fans, all right. And that's cool. And that's where it, that's where it belongs, all right, with us. So we can talk talk ish about it. And and you know, uh, I think he's more worried about the day to day activity. I think the, how they do how they approach the day. Every single day, can you can you get there 162 times? More often than not, can you have a good day? Can you give me the best of your ability every day? And not so much as oh, it's, it's the Cardinals this time. You get it's a, it's a rivalry. It's this, it's that. No, it's another baseball game that you gotta win. And we don't put that added pressure on yourself. Okay, it's different when you're trying to win the National League Central to win the National League pennant. You're not worried about the Cardinals. You're worried about who you're playing that day. Not even tomorrow. Or the whole city. you're worried about that day, and I think Rossi's got those guys focused on who are we playing today, and I think the Cubs have a good shot as any of, of taking the NL Central, um, and if they do, obviously they'll they'll be in the postseason. But they're, if uh, I don't think they'll be lower than second in the NL Central, but if they if these guys, these new guys that they brought in really set an example, these young guys take off. Excuse me, I I think they're gonna they have a really strong chance, really really strong chance of taking the NL Central. God, I don't want to. I don't want to hear my Cub fan friends if they do. Yeah, that's very fair, and I appreciate the honesty coming from a diehard White Sox fan. There, one last baseball question. Then I got a couple, two, three football questions for you. Um, sure. PZ in the chat wants to know what do you think of the ghost runner at second base being permanent next innings? I hate it, hated it, dude. I can't stand it. All right, it's. Uh, I, I don't. Why? You know, if you're staying for extra innings, you might as well stay for another 15, 20, half, 20 minutes, half hour. Okay. It, it, it's it's frustrating. Um, I hate it. I don't like it. So, only thing, only reason I do I do like about it because you know I, at that point you can't drink any more beer. So you might, <laughs> that's the only bad part. But no, I, I don't like it at all. So that's true. If you get to the tenth inning, that means you've been cut off for at least three innings at that point. Yeah. Um. Do you do you at least understand? Like I I know it sucks, and we all want more baseball. And stop trying to take more baseball away from me by adding this extra. Ghost Runner, but uh, I did hear some GMs make comments about it's nice not having to rework your entire bullpen through the minor league system the day after a 16-inning game. I do respect that, and listen, it sucks. It is what it is, but there is a level of I I don't agree with it, but I understand it. I do too, but it all, it's all part of what they're doing. It's 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 a domino effect because now you don't let pitchers go, you know, seven plus. All right, you know, I mean, think of, think about. Are, you know, and I'm, I'm going to go back to it and be a meathead White Sox fan. I don't give a shit. But think about the AL, the American League Championship Series. We use four pitchers. We use, we use two, uh, one, uh, one pitcher, one relief pitcher in all five games for two outs. That's it. In game one, when Jose, when uh, Contreras went eight and a third. All right, that was it. 
you don't let these guys go. So if you let these guys go a little further, then you would you wouldn't you, you wouldn't burn all these relievers. You got these specialists now. You know, I it, Vinny, it, it bugs me to no end that we are as far as medically, we are and scientifically, we are the most advanced that we've ever been in baseball in sports, period. And then you're still having so many issues with athletes. When you had guys who weren't as muscular, when you you know that or they built the wrong muscles, right? They like Lucas. Right, but focus on your lower body. Don't worry, don't worry, you know, strengthen, make your back strong. But you don't, you're not trying to be a, a power lifter or a, a, a bodybuilder with that strong of a back. You got to have some flexibility, you got to have some mobility in it. You know, I think they're doing it the wrong way, but it just bugs me because they don't let pitchers go. And, and if they, like I said, if they did, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have a, you wouldn't be in crunch time and be running out of pitchers because you're bringing a guy for an inning, bringing a guy for another inning because your, your starter went. Five and change, and now you got to come from someone for the sixth, and then someone for the seventh, and then someone for the eighth, and then someone for the ninth. Like, well, there's four guys right there. It's like, let them go seven plus, and now you're dealing with two pitchers, or maybe three pitchers a game, as opposed to six. It's very fair, very fair argument against it. I'm, I'm with you. It's gonna, I mean, it's here to stay. So I'm gonna try and find my best way to start liking it. I'm gonna start telling myself that, hey, you have to like this now because it's not going anywhere. It's like when you know you're having something nasty for dinner, and you're like. Got to figure out a way. Got to tell myself this is delicious. So really quick, before we go, I got to ask you a couple questions about the beloved. I know the football world just came to its close for the 2022 season. The Kansas mm-hmm. City Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions. It was an outstanding game that, yes, you know, it, it came down to the final play of the game with the game winning field goal. And then as soon as as soon as this Super Bowl is over. We go right back to talking about the blue and the orange. Of course, that's what this city does. They're the only team that makes us more crazy than our baseball teams. All of a sudden, people are talking about freaking trading Justin Fields. What are your thoughts on that? On trading Justin? I'm not trading. They got this got to drum up interest. That's all. It's got to drum up drum up interest. They're trying to get a haul. It's all market. It's all strategic planning, right? Um, because if no one thinks that. If everyone realizes that the Bears aren't going to take quarterbacks, so then you can say, okay, well, the Bears are taking Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, whatever. Okay, so now the first quarter, so quarterback needy teams will say, okay, okay, well, we got Houston. Okay, they're going to take a quarterback. Indy, they're at four. They're going to take a quarterback. Okay, now where can we go? Let's go to, we don't have to go up to number one because now we got to give a haul. We can go to number five or number six. Okay, because only two quarterbacks will, be, will have been taken off the board at that particular point. But if you, you start talking trade Justin Fields, you start talking, you know, well, he really wasn't our guy, and you start and you get all everyone talking, other teams are gonna be like, Well, what if they actually do trade Justin Fields? What if they do? And I love the I love the the, the rationale behind it, which is a great, great rationale. Like you restart the clock. So now you have this quarterback, whoever you draft, it was Bryce Young or whoever, CJ Stroud, you got him for five years as a as opposed to four as a as a second round pick. You got him for five years, and now you restart the clock. They have a quarterback on a rookie deal. And the more and more people push it, you know, the more and more you may have people say, man, may, they might do that. We might have to do something now. They're not trading Justin Fields, right? You're not doing that. You're not, there's, there's no way, you know, I, I'll wear a Cubs hat on my show. All right. If they trade Justin Fields, I, I will wear a freaking Cub hat. You know what? The hell what? I'll wear a Cubs jersey and a Cubs hat on my freaking show. If they trade Justin Fields, they're not trading Justin Fields. It's all it's all posturing. You're trying to get the most possible. You know, I'd love to be able. The Bears, I think, in a perfect world, would, would travel down to seven, eight, or nine. You got Carolina, you have Atlanta, and you have uh, uh, Vegas. Okay, unless unless Vegas is out of it because uh, Garoppolo or or someone else sign, or Rogers signs there, but we'll see. But one to two with Houston because they want to make sure they get their guy, whether it's Stroud or or Levis or whoever it is that they want okay one to two with them and then two to four because now indy is uh they want their guy because houston didn't take who indy wanted so now like hey listen let's just do that and then four to again seven eight or nine whoever that man you come up with a couple of that's a haul that's in the that'd be ideal for the bears all right but i think they, they might end up trading once or twice the most i love the three the three trade back but i don't know if it's going to happen I love that you said you'll wear Cub stuff on your show if they trade Justin Fields. But at the end of the day, it's still a Chicago team. Put your money where you're like, I'll, I'll wear a Packers jersey or a Packers hat if they trade Justin Fields. No. 
I, I lost that bet one time years ago, and I'll never do it again. No, you're not that confident. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're like I don't. I haven't spoken to. Ryan I am that confident, but I'm I'm still not doing no. That's funny. That's funny. I, I respect it. And I'm not putting that nasty stuff on me. Hell no. Absolutely freaking not. So you do assume they're going to trade the first overall pick. I know you got India four. you got, you know, Carolina, Atlanta, uh, Vegas, all these teams. Vegas in the seven, top 10. Atlanta yeah. eight and uh, Carolina nine. Yeah. All these yeah. teams that could use a quarterback pretty badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're not, they're not. And, and here's, here's another thing that you, that you screw up. Here's another thing that you do. You bring, see the reason that this, if you look at, I was reading this today, and I forgot who the author was, the the writer. And I don't want because I don't want to give him credit. Uh, you're damn right, FGB. All right, FGB. All right, they can go back to kissing their cousins and tipping cows for all I give a damn. Um, you know, they were talking about you. You you want when you learn a system. They're talking about how difficult this system is, and they gave a a, a plethora of examples of of the difficulty that quarterbacks have in their first season running the offense. The, the that the Bears were running okay for hell look at look at Russell Wilson all right he he ran the same thing and he had receivers okay uh he didn't forget how to play football this this is just a difficult system all right and why would you do that to a young kid when you have Justin Fields you have EQ St. Brown you got Chase Claypool you got the running backs you got the offensive line everybody's now Everyone knows the system. Even Chase. Chase came in, what, week seven, eight, nine, whatever. He got a whole half a season. He doesn't have to learn the offense anymore. No one has to learn the offense anymore. The only one who has to learn the offense who is whoever's brought over here. And it's a lot easier for one guy or two guys or four guys to learn the offense, okay, and you, you, put them, you give them time sporadically as opposed to the whole offense having to learn the offense. All right? So it's going to be, you know, look at what Justin Field – I mean, look what uh, Jalen Hurts did in his second year. And I may have mentioned this to you, but I, but I've said it. But I've said it a couple times. Earlier this year, they did a piece. They think Philly was seven and zero at the time, eight and zero, whatever. And they did a piece. Fox did a piece before the Bears game, and they they were highlighting Jalen Hurts. And he said, he, you know, they had a nice little dramatic slow walk into the Eagles facility, and he's talking, and he says, the very first thing he says, he said, you know what? This is the first time I've had the same play caller in consecutive consecutive years since my dad coached me in high school. Okay. Yes, granted, they got AJ Brown and you know Devontae Smith, but when you're in the same system and you have, you don't have to learn the offense. You can refine it and practice it. It's a whole different story, and I think that's what's going to happen with Justin Fields. And people talk about his accuracy. Yeah, he he missed some, but so did everybody else. But let's not forget how many drop passes we had that would have extended drives. Let's not forget about how many fumbles we had. Uh, uh, Amir Marset, Smith, Amir Marset, the the guy was with Minnesota against Minnesota with the fumble, the Dave Montgomery fumble, the EQ St. Brown fourth down drop, the Darnell Mooney double clutch at the goal line against the uh, was it the Houston? Um, no, it wasn't Houston. Uh, was it the Vikings? It might have been, but he, he caught it. He caught it, but he double clutched it. So when he, if he would have caught it clean, he was over the goal line. But they hit him as he caught it. He double he he bobbled it when he when he came control when he gained control of it. They didn't. Uh, he was on the other side of the, the wrong side of the goal line. So that's four games right there. And I'm not saying that they would have won the Minnesota Viking game. No. All right. But it gives us a shot. All right. Those are four different games. So you you talk about the everyone talk is talking about he's got to be a better passer. He's got to do this. Gotta, like, trust me. Trust me. No one had any questions about him being able to pass at Ohio State. Nobody. Okay. He just had studs around him. So you know what? Get studs around him. All right. I think. I think Chase is going to have a great year. Um, I think Darnell Mooney is going to have a great year. I think Cole Komet's going to build on what he did last year, having a great year with seven tutties for him. I thought that was phenomenal. Dude, Justin, Justin is going to do really, really, really well. He's going to, if he doesn't do it this year, I say in 2024, he'll break the single season record here, held, uh, held by Eric Kramer. Passing I agree. Record. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think there's a chance that, Big things are coming for the Bears. They have a big offseason ahead of them. They have this number one pick, obviously, Justin Fields. Um, needs some weapons, but they have the most cap space of anybody in the entire National Football League, and it is somewhat by a wide margin. Is there any other to close it out offseason thoughts or hopes that you have for this team as we get into the lukewarm part, hopefully looking out the window, not so promising type of season that we're about to hit? Um, you know, I just want to see them – I want to see Ryan Poles do what he did last year. All right. 
and that is accumulate more picks. Because let's not forget, here's the thing that most people don't forget or don't remember, right? A couple two years ago, the NCAA gave uh, all college athletes an extra year of eligibility due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you so whoever didn't matter what if you're a fifth year senior, you got a sixth year. All right, you can use that or whatever you know. Last year was the first year that guys took advantage of it, and they came out and you know was in 23 as opposed to in 22, which is why you're able to find a Jack Sanborn as an undrafted free agent when he should have gone in the fifth or sixth round. Okay, because there was just an influx of talent. Well, this year you're going to get the second group of it. It was not going to be as big as uh, the group was last year as far as talent-wise, but there's still going to be a lot more talent in this draft than there usually are. So you're going to be able to find some guys. So if he can you know, continue to, to accumulate draft picks, don't be surprised if you see a fourth-round pick, a third, a third or fourth or fifth or sixth-round pick who's a contributor. All right, or maybe even fights for a starting job or is in a rotation at whatever position we're talking about. You know, maybe he gets an edge rusher in the fifth round, which people, you know, like, holy cow, where did he get this guy? The fifth rounder out of such and such. Well, it could have been a third rounder, you know, if there wasn't as much talent. So be be on the lookout for that. All right. And and then also the free agent market, because truth be told, if and we understand, you know, it's built the games are won and lost in the trenches. All right. Patrick Mahomes did phenomenal things. Yeah, the other day. All right. What did he do two years ago? Nah, not very much in the big game because he was he was being chased because his tackles were were gone. He was he had backup tackles. Poles and Ian Cunningham, both former offensive linemen, understand this. So if they went out and, and said, Hey, listen, we like Braxton Jones. He did a great job for us. He started all the games last year. He needs to work on his bull rush. He's gonna get stronger. We're still signing a left tackle. Fight for your job. We like we, we like uh, Larry Borum. We like – we really want to see what uh, Leatherwood can do, all right, because now he's not going to have mononucleosis, so he's going he's gonna to be able to be at his, at his actual playing weight. He's going to be at his actual strength. He's going to be at his actual quickness. He's going to be at his actual explosiveness. I love that, and we're still going to get a right tackle. So now you know what? Compete for that shit because when – and you, go, you get guys – you have that type of competition, and you say this is what it's going to be like game one – Unless you unless you guys change my mind, change our minds, let's get at it. Because when you when you know you're going into the season that your offensive line is set, is set, Justin's not gonna have to worry about it. These other guys behind him are gonna be chomping at the bit every single God blessed practice, which is gonna push these guys because they don't wanna they don't wanna be the guy who signed a big contract, a two or three year deal, four year deal with the Bears, and then they get they lose it because of a guy who who outplayed him. Go get that offensive line set. Give me two tackles, sign them, or two guards and sign them with one because I ain't, I ain't moving Tevin Jenkins. That dude's a monster, and his attitude needs to be pervasive throughout that whole offensive line. But I digress. Go give me two tackles or give me a left guard, left tackle, and say these. this is my starting left side, all right? And anyone who wants to play, if you want to play left tackle, you want to play left guard, you beat them out. That's what I want to see. That is outstanding. You broke that down in such a way that I don't know if I've had on this baseball show. I mean, we talk football. I have a hockey show on Wednesday and a baseball show on Thursday, and we just moderately talk about football throughout both of them. That was an outstanding breakdown of the Chicago Bears trenches. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched the Pat McAfee show. Once a week they have on, um, oh, what's his name? He was with the Patriots when they were winning Super Bowls. He was an offensive lineman. Uh, A.Q. Shipley. And he goes on and, you know, he breaks down things um, in terms of offensive and defensive lines, and I, I nerd out over it. I got similar vibes from what you just did talking <laughs> about that, so that was outstanding stuff. Sean, promote yourself, promote your business, your channel, all of it. Guys, you can find me on Twitter, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all right, uh, at the Sean Sierra. You see it at the bottom of the screen. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Central Time. Uh, I, ho- I have my show, Sean and Maya, in the morning. It's on my network. It's called Sports Zone Chicago. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, um, Instagram. We also have a well, we have a, a YouTube channel. We also have a mobile app. You can download Sports Zone Chicago from in the app store, from the app store, wherever you get your apps from. We also have a Roku channel. So if you have a Roku television in the house, a Roku device, you can download and watch Sports Zone Chicago. Download the tile. Okay, you know how to download the tiles. You've downloaded Stars for Power Book Two, Season Three. You. Uh, Yellowstone, you dial, you know, uh, Paramount Plus for Yellowstone. You dial, so download Sports Zone Chicago style. You can watch it live. You can watch us on demand. You can catch us that way anyway uh, as well. So follow us, download it. We'd appreciate it. 
And, uh, you know, we look to uh, have some more some more great sports conversation. Absolutely. And everybody watching can also tune into the Barroom Network all weekend long where you could learn about things, all the things going on with baseball. South Burbs Hitman is a couple weeks away from making its full-time review doing all things Chicago White Sox. We will be back next Wednesday talking bar down, talking hockey, of course. Lots of big things going on with the NHL trade deadline coming up. Are the Blackhawks going to trade Patrick Kane? I don't know. you got to come find out next Wednesday with me and Frank Mueller. And we will be right back here next Thursday where we will have everybody at spring training at that point in time. So I'm looking forward to having everybody join. Sean, we can't thank you enough for coming on our show. It has been my absolute pleasure. Oh, likewise, man. Anytime I'm a phone call away, bro, or text away, I'm right here. Absolutely. We will have you on periodically throughout the season, and I am outstandingly looking forward to it. And I can't thank everybody in the chat. Foster, Joe, uh, who else was there today? PZ. We have lots of people in the chat today. We love you all very, very much. And as always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing.